Hello, my name is Shannon Lee, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode 49 of The Slapcast. Uh, for the month of January, we're going to be talking about misconceptions about serving. So, you could think of serving as just volunteering, but it's actually bigger than that, or maybe helping. But I want to talk about some misconceptions around this topic. Now, per usual, we have a pattern lately where we're going to have a two-parter. So this is part one of two. And I'm actually joined in the studio today by Jason Otero, our community engagement manager here at Relay, who I know will have some specific thoughts on this topic as well. And then, as always, we have Jonathan, the producer. Uh, that's actually makes me kind of laugh because it reminds me of, you know, like it's your whole title. <laughs> like Tyler, the creator. Jonathan, the producer. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Tyler, the creator, I think is kind of ahead of his time. Have you watched his performances? Oh, he's somewhere out there in the future. <laughs> Jonathan, are you ahead of your time? I mean. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's dive into our topic. Let's dive into our topic. All right. So, number one misconception that I want to talk about is that to really serve, I must sacrifice to the point of harming myself. Like, if I don't give until it hurts, lose tons of sleep, and completely ignore all of my needs, that somehow I haven't really given my best or really, I haven't really started to serve. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger recounted watching Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali at this time was doing some sit-ups in the gym. And someone asked him how many sit-ups he had done. And Ali responded, I don't know. I don't start counting until it hurts. <laughs> Wow. And I think sometimes when we think of volunteering or serving or helping others, a misconception is that it doesn't count if it doesn't hurt. And I think we mistakenly apply this same thought process when it comes to serving others. Now, not all of us, of course, but I know so many people who are in helper healer jobs. And I guess helper healer jobs could be those of us who work at nonprofits, but it could it could also be you could work for a for-profit and be in a helper position. Um, I could think of doctors, nurses, uh, public servants. There could be a lot of different, you know, titles that we could throw out there. But I think it's pretty common in the nonprofit sector, mm -hmm. particularly. Um, and then I also think it's really common in the religious sector, in churches, not all, of course. There's so much to be done in the nonprofit arena. So we push, 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 right? We see all this need everywhere, and it feels like we're never going to be able to get it all done. We're never going to be able to help enough people, and so we just keep going until it hurts. Um, Jason, Yes. Now you have you've shared on the Slapcast before a little bit of your history. You mm -hmm. have, um, you have a past. I do. <laughs> a mysterious past of working at churches. So it's mysterious. It's actually not that mysterious. Um, but what <laughs> mystery I'm solved. Yeah, but I work at churches. People. What I'm wondering seriously though is is if you've ever seen this in mystery in mystery if you've ever seen this in ministry. Yeah. I got stuck on that word mystery. Don't edit that out. This is this is real the life, folks. This is what ministry. it is. <laughs> the mystery of ministry. Oh. Um, so That's heavenly. Did you ever see this in ministry? And if so, what form did it take? Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. So I think what can happen is early on when you're serving in a capacity like ministry, you find yourself in like a lot of crisis 
situations. There's been, uh, there's some crisis that a family member is going through, or you're at somebody's happiest day where they're getting married or their saddest day at a funeral. And you found that you've been really available and been there for someone in a time of need. It's a very fulfilling, fulfilling experience. You get all the good feels when you know that what you're doing is meeting a direct need in that moment and helping people. But what can happen is you can almost get addicted to that experience where you realize you're providing something needed in the moment of crisis for someone. And over time, if you're not careful, um, the desire to jump into everything um, can have a wear in every other area of your life. So one example is if you look up and it's changed over the years, but the divorce rate is much higher with Bible college graduates that got married than it is with people wow. that did not attend a Bible college. I and hear that divorce is a no-no too. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's a that's a never ever ever. <laughs> no judgment. Yeah. I was divorced once. Yeah, so. <laughs> and so but that that is an example for sure where you have um, in marriages a higher divorce rate in that in that. Uh, profession, if you will, wow. calling. Um, and I think what can happen is some of the day-to-day things that are so important to care for yourself become mundane because they don't seem as significant um, as being available for the crisis at oh, times. that's interesting. I never so, thought about it. I never thought about it from that perspective that that just the normal stuff is like womp womp and you get used to the your word was adrenaline there was something else that came to me when you said that it's like you get used to the rush and the um there's actually some scientific stuff behind this that that i could share if if anyone's interested in the room i don't know but you have your adrenal glands Mm -hmm. and your adrenal glands are how we deal with with stress and it's where the fight or flight happens and everything and so your adrenal glands help you manage stress and what happens is we get stressed with something like help in and stress can be Stress can come from good places, like, you know, the stress we feel to, you know, it's positive, meaning like um, excitement of something new, like looking forward to something, an occurrence mm-hmm. or, or an activity, a concert, going to a game, whatever. You can also have positive stress if you're, you know, just saying, all right, let's hurry up and get out of the house. We got to get to school on time. We mm-hmm. got to get to work on time. That's not necessarily a, a bad stress. But in either case, what happens is is our stress level rises and then it resolves, but then when it's maladaptive, what happens is it doesn't come down as, as far. Mm-hmm. And so our new baseline for stress is higher than it was before. Yeah. And then, uh, and what I think I hear you saying, if this makes sense, is that it's kind of like that baseline gets higher and higher mm-hmm. so that when you ha- when it's time to like do the laundry <laughs> or, you know, shovel the snow or whatever, or spend time with your family, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it doesn't hold the same luster. Mm-hmm. Or you've, you've not valued care for self because it's almost this noble cause, right? Mm. I'm doing this noble work and this is not a faith-based nonprofit specific thing. This can happen anywhere where we allow our craft, our work, our profession to kind of take the driver's seat in the work that we're doing. And so um, you find this great purpose in it, but if you've never restored where you were depleted, like you talked about, you're serving in this way, the stress, the stress, the stress, if you never allow the space uh, for yourself to be mindful and aware of where you are and determine that part of serving is caring for self, then you'll find yourself in a depleted place pretty quickly. 
Um, and it's not just in this space, but you hear other areas. You hear veterans talk about the great meaningful experience that they had, and then they come home, and there's a huge feeling of displacement. There's a feeling of um, uh, how do I integrate into a different way of doing things after yeah. being demanded to do such a noble thing over over this time. You hear many different fields like that. And so yeah, I think it's um, – so this myth of – serving to the point of like hurting ourselves to the detriment of self. Um, the myth is that that's an effective way of leading and more, even more so that it's going to be sustainable. Yeah. Um, we have uh, uh, an ability and a capacity um, and to go beyond that uh, to the detriment of ourself is not going to be something that will last. I wonder too, if there's a little bit of pride associated with that. When I say pride, I don't mean I'm proud of my child. <laughs> I mean the negative side mm-hmm. of pride, which is, that it's almost like a false sense of pride where um, I obtain my value, my identity from what I can do for others, Mm -hmm. which is different than doing for others out of a sense of compassion. That's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just kind of makes me curious if that kind of goes along with with that same idea. Um, And you can look for, you search for external affirmation. Yeah. When you get stuck in that trap, absolutely, you may not even like yourself that much. This, um, <laughs> this, this piety of self of like, I am a more, you know, in my circles, I am more spiritually engaged if I'm suffering. Yeah, you know, and you have tremendous stories, figures throughout history who have accomplished great things through suffering and endured great things. So it's not to downplay that, but um, there definitely is a way for that to be abused. And um, when we're looking everywhere else, but within ourselves for that affirmation, um, it really comes down to, and, and, you know, not to get too far down this road, but um, historically in the Christian faith, you kind of had this early split um, of thinking. And one of the, they would call it maybe Eastern and Western church. Now one would view God as this King. So there's this kingdom language and we servitude to a kingdom and there's like a good, nice flow chart in a kingdom. I've the, been watching the crown. So that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right so, it's like the so monarchy. There's a perspective of the faith community. <laughs> and really when you look at, you know, I remember like world history in yeah. high school when they would break it down of like conquest and kingdoms and imperialism and this order of things. And there is always servitude and servants and masters. And then you have this other language in that faith that talks about father and it's relational. Mm. One is inherently I am bad and I serve with hopes of being seen as good. The other is I am already born good enough. And I think wherever you start with that, um, with whatever you're doing with your work, with your service, um, whatever you believe about that will have a trajectory that lands you in very different places. Even though it may just feel off a little bit at the start, it can really move you into a different direction. That reminds me when Jesus said, I no longer call you my disciples, but I call you my friends. Yeah. That that's that that's a nice juxtaposition of those mm. two things, yeah. Well, and I'm not saying that. Uh, I want to be careful here. I, I think that there is sacrifice involved in serving, mm-hmm. if for no other reason than sometimes we have to give up something in order to serve another person. You know, um, true service to others, I think, will cost you on some level. You know, and it could be money, but these are some costs besides money that I came up with. It's it's going to cost you time. You know, giving and serving others, attending to someone else's needs means that I'm not taking, I can only be in one place at one time. And so it's going to cost me time. Um, It's going to cost me probably a little bit of my ego. 
It might challenge my humility a little bit to have to give up something of my own in order to create something better for someone else. Um, in it, other costs might be minor things, but I think they're worth calling out. And that is like, if I have to be inconvenienced, like a mm-hmm. changing of my plans mm-hmm. or a change in my priorities in order to better someone else. Um, so I don't believe that those are inherently bad things. Mm-hmm. I think that those are things that we can do, but here's where I think they become damaging. And I, and I, the audience knows that I can't even help myself. I can't talk about anything until I talk about mine and unless I also talk about mindset. And that's this, that if we are serving and helping others, volunteering, whatever, from this place of, as you described, Jason, of like, you know, it's part of our identity. It's how we, it's how we feel affirmed. Then I think that that actually causes us to do it from an, an egocentric place. Mm -hmm. It's actually really all about us at that Mm -hmm. point. And what happens is when we do this and we ignore our own needs, we're actually communicating that that is the way that service happens, that, that you just ignore yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, the problem that I have with that is that it's, you can't give from an empty vessel. It it doesn't, it doesn't even make practical sense. If I go to someone and say, I need a million dollars, it doesn't matter how much they want to give it to me. If they don't have it, they, they can't give it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to kind of balance that, yeah, I do think there's sacrifice involved, but here's the mindset piece that's different. To me, the difference is conscious choice. Mm-hmm. If I'm defaulting to, you know, well, I'm, I'm just serving, I'm giving my all and my family's suffering and I don't have any time for my kids and I don't have any time for other things in my life that are important, self-care. And I'm defaulting to that without consciously choosing it. So to me... Changing my plans consciously is a productive habit because I'm making a conscious choice of, you know what, I was going to do this today, but this person needs my help, and I'm going to assess whether or not I can give this right now Mm -hmm. without resenting that person, and that's going to be a yes or no for me. Mm -hmm. Making that choice from a conscious place, make the sacrifice, go right ahead and do it. But what I advise against is making those choices from an unconscious place, and so how do you do that? Mm Well, if you find yourself saying yes and helping a lot of people and serving a lot, but then you're also resentful and angry that you never have time for yourself, that's probably a clue that you're serving to detriment of self and you're not really thinking about what you need. Mm -hmm. And so that might take the form of saying yes when you really mean no. It might take the form of changing your priorities when you really didn't want to. You know, there's nothing wrong with changing your priorities. There's nothing wrong with giving a little extra money in the offering bucket or sending something to, you know, a nonprofit that's a little bit out of your comfort zone financially if you're choosing it, mm-hmm. if it's conscious. But mm-hmm. if it's, but if it, you're being unconscious about it and not really paying attention and now you don't have groceries for your family, that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that serving means um, that we don't ignore our own needs. Giving to the point where we can't pay our own bills in my last example, volunteering to the point where our own job or our home responsibilities go neglected, I think that can cause resentments mm-hmm. in ourselves and towards those closest to us. Um, sometimes serving becomes a part of how we bolster our ego, though, as we mentioned before. Yeah. It's not a humbling act, but rather a selfishly motivated act. Mm-hmm. And 
this means that we're feeling worthy when we serve. And uh, I don't think that's a positive intent. It's, it's kind of like, it's, it's like veiled in positivity, mm-hmm. but really it's all about bolstering ourselves. Sure. And I think when you're in a pattern of leading this way, um, where you're not uh, leading from a healthy place and you're not aware of where you are or um, you're serving to your own detriment, um, many times you don't even see that you're doing it. So I think even thinking about, because just candidly, my experience was after 10 years of serving in a ministry capacity, I found myself burnt out. It wasn't something I felt overnight. I didn't wake up one morning and say, wow, this happened. (laughs) It was over time not taking inventory of where I was. Was I depleted? Was I doing these things? How do I feel when I've been doing this? You know, in hindsight, now I can say I became much more cynical about those that I was serving with. I didn't start out thinking they had the best motives. In reality, now looking back, nope. I was just grumpy and starting in the wrong place because I was worn out and I was trying to give from something that I didn't have at that time. And so I think something that's really important to integrate in with these making conscious choices, which is revolutionary of like, okay, this is going on. This is what's been happening. But today here is what I'm going to do that I have complete control of. Here's how I'm going to choose to respond. I think a step before that, if you're even worrying about where do I begin making these plans is... How can you make yourself aware when you're seeing it happen? What are the things you feel? How are you responding? How are things at home and work? Um, Are you someone that I know for me, um, when I'm not in a good place with this, I'm not working out consistently. I'm not eating well. I'm short with responses. Going out and doing something in the middle of the week with the family feels more exhausting than exciting. And so I think for all of us, it's important to take inventory to say, you know, if I'm seeing these factors in play, it may be time for me to really take a look at what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and why I'm doing it and not forget who I want to be while I'm leading, which is super important. I think in those instances, especially if you have a significant other or close friend who can maybe call you out, mm-hmm. help you, I hate this, accountability partner. Get but, permission. But get permission. But it might help to help because sometimes becoming self-aware of those things is more of a challenge because mm-hmm. serving and getting that initial rush, that adrenaline that you talked about can be addicting, as you mentioned. I think you might have even used that word. Mm-hmm. And so bypassing that or, or I shouldn't say that or shortcutting that or halting that mm-hmm. process or that pattern is going to be hard to do on your own, I think, mm-hmm. because it, that is such a feel-good thing. And what I would hate for someone, especially anyone listening, is to get so far gone that they're they're so deep into their, um, you know, kind of like the volunteer version of yeah. workaholism yeah. that, you know, they've destroyed something like yeah. a family or a relationship. And so sometimes if you think this might be you, maybe a good idea would be just to ask someone to say, hey, when I'm start, kind of like mm-hmm. using your your list of, um, you know, uh, symptoms mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're when you're unreasonable, when you're cantankerous, yeah. when you're short, you know, short with your kids, when you don't get enjoyment out of spending time with your wife or whatever, that you that you kind of equip someone or empower someone to kind of call you out on mm-hmm. it. And that might help bring things more to your awareness. I don't know. I think sometimes I need help with those right. things. One of John Maxwell's first books, you know, the leadership guru, he had a quote in there and I thought it's just been a significant one for me. And it just said this, it said, don't just do something, stand there. And I think <laughs> a lot of times we mistake activity for productivity yeah. and they're not the same thing, especially in this arena. 
We know good and well if we've moved the needle forward with our organization, with our team, with our relationships. We deep down within, we can we can see that. But when we're frustrated and exhausted, we'll settle for activity many times. Mm-hmm. And that may be the very thing compounding the problem. Yeah. Yeah, you're just doing more and more and accomplishing less. Draining which more is very and more. Yeah, yeah. And those results will even get worse. And yeah. so you, then you'll, you'll have moments where you're like, do I know how to do any of this? You know? <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. I'm definitely a, a recovering. I'm a recovering, uh, if you want it done right, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and you know this working with me professionally that, you know, one of my greatest challenges as a leader that I continually work on is delegating. And when I say delegating, what I mean is developing others to the point that I can actually purely Mm -hmm. delegate where I can say, okay, you're in charge of this now. Not because I don't have talented people around me, but because I've been so used to doing everything. Mm -hmm. And so just really being aware of that behavior, that, that has been one of the leadership the, the unproductive habits I've had as a leader that has taken me years to unravel. And um, and I have to work on it all the time. I have to be aware of it all the mm-hmm. time. I'm better now than I was a year ago, but I have to constantly be aware. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to talk about another misconception. This one's sort of a little bit of a, a different direction. And the reason why I mention this is because in two of our programs, NextGen and ExecGen, they work on a service project. And I've heard this from participants from time to time, not a lot of them, but a few. And it just, it kind of hit me today. I was like, you know, I've heard this several times that there are certain parts of serving and even volunteering with a nonprofit or a church or what have you that is boring. And so there's this misconception that service to others can be boring, mm-hmm. and which I can't identify with. I, maybe it's because I've been, I've spent so much time working in nonprofits as a profession that I can't even imagine that happening, but I do hear it from people. But service, mm-hmm. you have to remember, service like anything else can be boring, yeah. okay? Now, it doesn't have to be, but think about this. There are lots of things that turn out to be boring that are a regular part of our lives. I mean, going out on a date. Have you ever been on a date with Leslie? And yes. you're sitting there and not talking. <laughs> well, maybe you, maybe that wouldn't be you too because you're pretty extroverted. But my husband and I are both pretty introverted, and we'll be sitting, and we're both comfortable in silence. And 15 minutes will go by, and we'll be like, "So, so," you know. But neither of us really need it. But it can be kind of boring. The things that used to be, you know, I mean, when I first met Chris, you know, I'd be so excited when we'd go out to a date and we would tell uh, each other all the things, right? Oh, yeah. But as life goes on, certain things can be boring. Even a night at home, especially now, I used to look forward to nights at home mm-hmm. where I could just veg out and watch TV. Now the evenings are like Groundhog Day, yeah. right? Because there's nothing to do in the evening and there's not enough restaurants that have the CDC mm-hmm. required, you know, mm-hmm. filtration system that makes me feel comfortable going to very many of them. But, um, you know, even the most exciting and active things in our lives could become boring, Right, could become boring. And so I think that service can be boring too at times, but even like when I think about having my family or friends over, I, I will build it up into this exciting thing. And then I, I'll, even recently I've been like, oh, this isn't what I, this isn't as fun mm-hmm. as I thought it was going to be. And um, so that's the first thing I think we should remember is that even service can be boring. Um, one thing that's super boring to me is when the Buckeyes are just winning all the time. And um, 
you watch a game and it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to win. I'm being serious. I'm not being facetious. Yeah, here. I don't feel the same way about that. <laughs> I know, but see, here's the thing. I'll have uh, my husband will be on pins and needles the entire game. Yeah. Right. I'm just looking at the score. I'm looking at you know 42 to three in its third quarter. I'm like, we've got this in the bag. Done. Can we change yeah. the channel and watch something else? Like, I it, in, unless there's a competition going on where I'm like stressed out and thinking, ooh, are we going to win or not? Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Even the Buckeyes. And I went to the Ohio State University. Like, I am not interested. So even that can be boring to me. And I know you probably can't identify with that. It just feels blasphemous. Is, <laughs> that's the phrase that... It feels like you made to mind. a wrong life choice working yeah. with me. <laughs> Which, by the way, you know, just a side note, back to your, like, date night example. Yeah. Like, our go-to, which I would love to do now, but we can't. I was a bag boy at a grocery store, and for $30, I could put a little bit of gas in my mid-80s Dodge Dakota and drive to the movie theater, go watch a movie, get Arby's, and walk around Walmart. That was our big night. Wow. And we did every, and it was a big deal. I mean, you had about a half-hour drive to get to Walmart. But I mean, it was, it was a big, a big night right for now. us. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I would love right to just now. have a movie in Arby's night yeah. and walk around and not feel scared. Like that could be really exciting. <laughs> it could be like, more exciting to go COVID. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. Some parts of service could be mundane, but here's the thing that this is the big point I want to make. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that means it has to be meaningless mm -hmm. because even on those boring dates and things that, you know, there's still deep meaning there if I look for it. Mm -hmm. You know, my where I'm living right now backs up to this like thin, not thin. It, it's kind of it's kind of like a pine forest, but not a huge one. Okay, that's like it's just a small little pine forest. And you could look at that and go, "Oh, this is a little pine forest." And there's a rooster that I think I shared this before mm -hmm. with the staff. There's a rooster that makes noise all day long. Okay, and you could just ignore that and go, "Oh, that's a rooster." But every time it happens, I look out there. I just think about how beautiful, it, I, I pull meaning from that, and it is the most mundane, boring thing. So I think service to others, volunteerism, it can be less boring if you can really look for the meaning. Yeah. And to me, the meaning can be found in a couple different ways. Um, you can find it by thinking about what's at stake if we don't serve. And I don't mean this in a ego-stroking way. What I mean is, you know, if you're serving at, I know one of your favorite ministries, Jason, is um, COMO, mm -hmm. which stands for, remind me. Compassion Com Outreach Ministries of Ohio. Yes, Compassion Outreach Ministries. And tell us real quick what they do. So they do long-term residential recovery. They also um, have a respite centers um, to help. Um, build relationships with those that are caught up in the trafficking situation okay, and to help them find a way forward and just uh, be present in the community with them, build trust. And the last time so, I checked their recovery success rate after off three the years or something was like yeah. 89% yes. or something nuts like yeah, that. Nearly double, oh, more than double the national average, yeah. I think is what it was. Yeah. So. so they have this highly effective program. Mm -hmm. To me, I would think volunteering for them is very exciting, but I bet you there are tons of mundane tasks that need to be done, like sorting through the clothes mm -hmm. that they give away. Yep. Um, they might have a newsletter they need help with. That sounds really boring to me. Someone else that might be like really, <laughs> really get them going. But um, 
Big newsletter fan clubs but, out there. Yeah. Lots of them. But Big a movements. friend of mine, no, one of my really good friends, I need to ask her if she still does this, but she writes the newsletter for like this animal shelter organization and she does their newsletter every month. She's the perfect person for it. She's very meticulous and loves dogs, loves animals. And that's that's her service. Mm -hmm. That's what she loves doing. And there are months, I'm sure, that's very frustrating to her and like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. But what keeps it meaningful to her is she thinks about what's at stake if she doesn't get it done. Mm -hmm. Now, are there others who could do it? Sure. But in the moment when she's frustrated, what gives her meaning is, well, I can't drop it mm -hmm. now. They're depending on me to do it. So sometimes remembering what's at stake if we don't serve, if we don't fulfill mm -hmm. the role that we've committed. But I think another way is um, thinking about if this has become mundane or boring to me, maybe that's not a sign that service is boring, but a sign that you're ready to take another step of service yeah. consciously without detriment to self. And what I mean by that is, what if there's a service project you could be in charge of instead of just a task? What if there's something you could innovate and make more efficient for the nonprofit? I'm telling you what, the people who have innovated for our organization, created programs for our organization, many of them have never given us a dime. And the thought leadership that they have brought to our organization mm -hmm. has allowed us to bring tens of thousands of dollars into the organization. Yeah. Like, how do you measure mm -hmm. in the beginning? And, and for some of those people, they may not have seen the reverberative effect, the, you know, the ripples mm -hmm. that that creates. But I, I just want to challenge people that feel like their service has become kind of mundane or kind of grown stale that find the meaning yeah. in what you're doing. And the meaning can be found in either what would your absence bring or what more could you do or what could you innovate that would solve bigger problems for yeah. the organization. And as you're looking at um, how and why, and maybe you find yourself in a rut at times, and I know I have, like, I understand that this connects connects to a bigger thing, but at times it feels mundane. You know, one of the ways that we talk about leadership development at Relay, and you say this all the time, it's not just how we want to do leadership or a tactic or a strategy, but it's really who we are going to be as people as we lead. Right. Like, what kind of people we are. So, if you're, if you're bored... You might be boring. I might be boring. That might be the problem. The problem may be we've disconnected that thing that keeps us up at night, that thing that we were once passionate about. We may have lost our own way. And there's a, a I'm sure it's been quoted all over. Mother Teresa talked about it and they were interviewing her about all these great things. And it was this to the effect of, I do no great things. I do small things with great love. Yes. And yes. so... You know, that thing that may get boring, you know, many people have maybe served at a food pantry. You carry a box out to a trunk and you say goodbye. You carry a box out to a trunk and you say goodbye. All of a sudden, that thing that's boring when I take my 11-year-old to experience for the first time is different again, isn't yeah. it? And I think, you know, in church culture, we talk about this a lot. When some of those things become boring, it may be time for you to push yourself to grow a little bit and bring someone along with you. Maybe there's somebody else that will really connect to the community and serving. That's another piece, too. Yeah. Because we desire connection and around a meeting where we can see something significant happening. It's a very fulfilling thing. It can kind of clear away the clutter and remind us where we are. That that passion we once had, if you feel a little bit burned out, it can, it can help reignite that and help to kind of center your thoughts around that as well. I love the idea of finding connection in those mundane mm -hmm. tasks. And it takes me back to a church experience where there was never a shortage for people who wanted to be on the platform and singing music. Oh, no. But 
You know what else there wasn't a shortage for at that particular church? People willing to put up all those dumb chairs after every service. Yeah. Like they got put away in record time yeah. pretty much every Sunday. And I'll be honest, I would look at that and go, that is not something I want to do. That's physical mm-hmm. labor. <laughs> and I I was I actually was one of the people singing and um I was like, you know, I did my job today. Mm-hmm. And um it wasn't that I wasn't willing, but there really wasn't ever a need. Yeah. Uh, my husband used to always help with that as well. And there was something else that he did was he volunteered in the parking lot. This is actually... Yeah, he did. I can't believe I didn't think about this when I was preparing for tonight. So <laughs> I think this is not to talk down or, or to look lowly on people who um, like to direct traffic in parking lots, okay? But he was Mad so respect for the parking community respect. right now. Here's why. Because I don't want to do it. Like in all manner of weather, right? Mm-hmm. Scalding hot, freezing cold. They're out there, right? Yep. But... Every time he would get out there, to him, it was an adventure Mm -hmm. of how many people he could get to say hi back to him. And it is one of the most boring things, directing people, making sure that if, hey, if you're a a first-time visitor, that you get some priority Mm -hmm. parking over here. And then people, a lot of times, just walk by you like you're invisible, which he didn't mind. But there was this one guy, and I won't tell you what car he drove, but it was a nice car. And and Chris always described him, too, but call him ex-model car guy. Like, he named the car. And just by some wild coincidence, someone would know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to say what the car was. But he would say, so-and-so car guy, I'm determined to get him to say hi to me. Because every time the guy yeah. would come in, Chris would go, good morning, sir. How are you doing today? That sure is a pretty car. And the guy would say nothing to him. <laughs> not even a, mm, you know, like nothing. Uh, he, it it was almost like he was court ordered to go to the church. I don't mm-hmm. know what was going on, but it's like he didn't seem like he wanted to be there, but he was there. I mean, without fail. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what, it was a triumphant Sunday. Wouldn't that be a twist if that was a detail that got this discovery? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we get a comment on the YouTube channel, How dare actually. You? Yeah. <laughs> I had an ankle bracelet and it was as far as I could go. <laughs> Our bad. <laughs> Whoops. Um, but the, it was a triumphant Sunday when I remember when the service was over, Chris was like, guess who said hi to me today? And I knew exactly yeah. who it was. And I don't know that he ever said hi to him again. But, you know, he was able to find meaning mm-hmm. in the mundane because he created it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that can be done. Um, I also think that it's okay within thinking about what you want to do to serve others, to think about your own interests. Mm -hmm. Because if you're interested in something, it's less likely to become mundane. Um, You're probably going to give forth your extra effort. And so an example I came up with would be like, let's say you're super interested in sports. Mm -hmm. How can I volunteer in sports but not be the coach and not have to do a ton of that work? Well, um, I just came up with one example. There's actually a nonprofit here in town called Hero USA. And what Hero USA does is they help disadvantaged kids partake in extreme sports like kayaking and skiing, snowboarding, and they remove the barrier of cost so that these kids can um, get on a a snowboard so that they don't have to pay for the equipment and Mm -hmm. everything like that. And then they have a ton of volunteers that are vetted to work with, um, you know, elementary and junior high kids Mm -hmm. and give them these experiences. So could you imagine that you're volunteering and your job is to help some kid, you know, go down the ski, this, the ski slope for the first time. I mean, that would be a blast. Mm -hmm. And so, especially if you're in to sports and extreme sports. And so there's a lot of 
nonprofits out there, there's a lot of service opportunities out there that might match your your actual interests as well. And sometimes that the the it's we could say it's another misconception, but a, a misconception about serving is that I have to do something that's hard and that I don't like. I remember growing up in church, it was every, you know, um Every person that got sent overseas, it seemed like they didn't want to do it, but, oh, God called me and mm-hmm. I do his will, but they didn't actually want to go be, you know, that, you know, I can't even remember the name of those things. Missionaries? Those pe- missionaries. Oh, my gosh. Hashtag, I'm 48 years old. Church, I know. It's been a while. <laughs> It's been a it's been a minute. Um, I'm gonna need you to it's been financially a support a couple missionaries <laughs> on the way out. I'm actually gonna talk about that on another episode about giving. But anyway, because um, we are gonna talk about giving as a method of serving. Um, so what, find what excites you and, and and do that. But accept that not all of it is gonna be exciting. Mm-hmm. Not everything is gonna be you know a jazz dance or whatever or a, you know uh, exciting and you know. The two-step. All right. So next time in episode 50, we're going to tackle another misconception, and that's this, that all serving or help is good, Hmm. that it's all good. And then we're going to finish off with some recommendations for serving and for giving. So listen, we're going to continue to find ways to bring you more and more value on the Slapcast um, and through other content in the organization. So what I want you to do is visit our website at RelayLeadership.com, go to that training tab, and there's a new section there that is called Free Resources. And in those free resources, you're going to find that we are now doing monthly free workshops. They're one hour. You can join them from anywhere because then they're on that beloved Zoom. And we just do a different topic every month. And um, so I encourage you to check that out. See what we've got coming up in the next few months. And then you can learn anything else you want to know about the organization. If you want to connect with myself or with Jason, just hit us up at slapcast at relayleadership.org. We would really love to connect with you. You can give us ideas for episodes, guests, and so on and so forth. And of course, we are at Relay Leadership, R-E-L-A Leadership, on all of the socials. Okay, we'll see you next time.